2: Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod and another Mandalorian After Show, where we are going to talk and dive into Season 3, Episode 7, Chapter 22, The Traitors, with our good friends Darian, Dan, and your co host Blake. And of course, we haven't touched the UTE Book Madness for a little while because of Star Wars Celebration, so uh, we'll be giving the quick last couple rounds of updates on that. Seeing who the final winner is, the absolute best, most voted for Star Wars book out there. Let's get into it, shall we?
0: Another happy landing.
2: All right, chud, chud Blake. Hello there. Hello there. Well, it's been uh, another really—I mean, compared to last week's—I I really had a good time with this week's episode.
1: Yeah, this one was really good. It was kind of night and day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> last week's yeah. episode—I'm sure everyone's uh, heard us talk about that. Oh
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, that was a fun recording with the uh, Bryce's first set of poodos that he rated on that one.
1: That's right. The first poodos have been flung.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what a disturbing mental image all right uh, (laughs) let's introduce our friends to the show Darian it's been a hot minute since you've been on welcome back
3: yeah absolutely good to be back Josh I'm
2: happy to talk about Star Wars and Lizzo oh yeah yeah Lizzo yeah we'll talk about that in just a moment here Dan uh, it's been a moment since you've been on Uh, I think it was maybe even a year ago Perhaps we Yeah, that's back.
0: the the VR
1: episode. Thank you. Uh, happy to be back.
2: Oh dang! Yeah, maybe even two years ago. Wow, that was, it's been a yeah, it's been even more of a hot minute. Um, time
1: doesn't exist when like you work from home. I think is how it works. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, just just time just kind of stays still. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, uh, it's one thing we should kick things off with because, of course, like you know, there's the whole Lizzo thing. We were talking about it off air, so I got to just throw it out there to the room uh darian what was it you were saying with with us uh, i just
3: about? i don't know what was more funny lizzo on the episode or hearing you guys talk about lizzo and none of you knowing who lizzo is like you a bunch of old people like <laughs> yeah. oh she has that song uh, in a minute it's like that's not what it's called
1: <laughs> i 100 knew yeah. <laughs> as soon as we started talking about it, like no one knew what the heck we we're talking about yeah well,
3: well, I mean, she's, just dated pretty, she's pretty popular, so like most dudes in their like twenties whatever would know who Lizzo is, but that's all right. Anyways, <laughs> I thought she uh, what did man. not belong in Star Wars, but that's my opinion. To be
0: fair, I'm almost fifty and I know who she is, so it's not all old people oh, man. don't
1: know her. Yeah, but Dan, you're you're hip. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. With the kids.
2: I think you're more you're, Dan, you're more hip than we are, I think. Like you're you're more with the times. I mean, uh, And I know a lot about pulp culture more yeah. than I probably should yeah 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 for sure that's that's not something i admit to stay on top of unless it's unless it's movie related but you know that's uh yeah the music world just. So, Lan, what me. did you think about lizzo i didn't
0: mind it i i'm not super into her music but i like who she is and i i know her mostly because she was a host on snl and i liked her when she was on snl so when i saw her on the episode i was like okay this is gonna be a, a comedy episode especially when she's paired with jack black Right. Um, yeah. But I didn't. I didn't hate it. It's Star Wars has always had its cool stuff and its silly stuff, and that was obviously one of its more silly um, episodes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For
1: sure.
0: It's for the kids.
1: It's for the kids. <laughs> before yeah. Before we go into like this giant war where everyone we know dies.
0: Exactly. They had to, They had to do a lighter episode before a more serious episode.
1: Look, the, everyone's so friendly. You can get to know them, and then everyone's dead. <laughs> like I, Game of Thrones. What
2: did you What did you think of the What did you think of Jack Black? Because um, I, I remember Bryce Saint just saying that he was very thankful he didn't go full Jack Black in that episode, which I think would have. He a... was
0: more reserved, which yeah, like yeah. he wasn't doing his you know tenacious D personality, and I thought he was fine. Like yeah, I, honestly, the person that took me more out of the episode, what even though I liked seeing him, was Christopher Lloyd, just because yeah. the... interesting. Right. That, that like I, I enjoyed seeing him but like as soon as I saw him I'm like oh he's gonna be the bad guy like
2: <laughs> <laughs> like right away
0: <laughs> right away it's like who framed Roger Rabbit? you know it's he's gonna be the guy that they're not suspecting and
2: yeah. how
1: funny would have been if they go to check in and the uh, the desk security desk and turns and just completely flat
2: <laughs> <Roger Rabbit. laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I mean as far as an episode goes though I mean like I know we talked about it extensively last week but you know for any of those who hadn't tuned in or, or, or were with us and recording uh, I, I just felt like it was a for me it was a bit down the middle with with whether I liked it there was things that I really liked about it and then there were things that I just really couldn't connect with that well and and um, I don't know I think I think unanimously we all kind of felt that the, the, the overall plot was a bit fluffy almost like it. You know didn't really need to happen or play out that uh, way
1: i don't know if i say fluffy to me it just felt more like it like a monster of the week adventure serial kind of absolutely monster of the week <laughs> yeah so it was just really simple but for me the biggest thing that really took me out of it was the uh finale when they a- approached christopher christopher lloyd and said he's like called him out and it just felt like a really bad stage play
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> great scott um yeah it was it was was cool to see him in there but yeah i totally know what you mean um all right well uh you know we got another episode this week and of course it was uh what is it what's the word the penultimate episode you know second last before the before the finale of the season which is hard to believe we're already there but um, (laughs) semi-final yeah the semi-final and uh kind of leave some questions of course because it dropped on a huge cliffhanger but there's so much cool stuff to talk about uh, so I'll read the summary here, we can just get kind of dive right in. Uh, so, uh, Season 3, Episode 7, Chapter 22, I believe this one's called The Traitors. Moff Gideon is informed by Elia Kane of the Mandalorian's intent to retake their planet. Gideon relays this information to the Shadow Council, a group of Imperial Remnant warlords. He requests reinforcements from Commandant Brendel Hux, and questions Captain Paleon in his absence of the Grand Admiral Thrawn. Reassembling on Navarro, Bo Katan unites the Mandalorian clans and prepares a recon party to p- explore the surface of Mandalore and locate the Great Forge. Before leaving, Grief Karga presents Din Djarin and IG-12, and Grogu, uh, which is uh, able to be controlled, you know, him, him driving IG-11. On uh, Mandalore, uh, he, he, well, he, reached, he, he presents them with a bottle of wine and also this, this body for Grogu to be in. Uh, by the way, side note, I really hope that doesn't last long. Uh, <laughs> on Mandalore, the group, uh, the group meets another surviving clan who is loyal to Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan. admits that she surrendered to Gideon shortly after the Night of Thousand Tears, hoping that her people would be spared from further harm. The party finds the Great Forge but is ambushed by Beskar-enhanced stormtroopers. Din Djarin is captured by Moff Gideon, who reveals his intent to complete the Great Purge of Mandalore. He attempts to kill the search party, but Bo-Katan uses the Darksaber to make an escape for the group, with Paz Vizsla staying behind by time. Vizsla fights off the stormtroopers, but is killed by Gideon's Praetorian guards. And that was where the episode left off. So, uh, lots of cool stuff to talk about. Um, just initial thoughts, everybody. Uh, Blake, maybe we can start with you. What would you think of this one? I really
1: enjoyed it I think it was a good like uh, starter I think going into the next episode and maybe what's to come and then we get some drops of Thrawn returning yeah so I think that's pretty cool like it did feel a bit like we were missing a bad guy so I will say I I like Gideon so I kind of like where it's going but it because it didn't really reveal that he's back to like the the almost like the credit scene of the last episode so mm. It's a little bit shoehorned in, but I'm definitely interested to see where it's going to go as far as him, like taking on the, I'm a pseudo Mandalorian thing. Now, I'm not sure I feel about that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, uh, that was interesting and cool, but also kind of questionable. So, Oh, and the, the biggest thing that actually stood out to me, which I thought was really cool is this to me
1: feels like a coming together of the the fan base. Take of Mandalorians because you have like the, the old school original trilogy Mandalorian fans. it's like you know Boba Fett never takes his helmet off. It's like really serious. Yeah. And then like the very uh they're like hard trained soldiers or whatever. And then there's like the prequel side right with like Django and what we got from Clone Wars where they're,
2: mm. they're
1: they're like a pacifist nation. They turn back to their war there's like a, a royalty, a line of royalty. And it's okay. kind of like this is like the two sides like coming together right like the right. two clans like, we we must unite the clans
2: yeah yeah for sure uh darian what did you think of this one
3: yeah i honestly really like this episode um just i love seeing all like the mandalorians or not not all like all the bounty hunters together and like that kind of thing um i really liked the the guards at the end i think they're called the the praetorian, praetorian. guards is that right yeah that's praetorian right. guard. Yeah. yeah. yeah i think they're like Made super after... sweet
2: yeah.
1: yeah, the Roman guards of the right war were that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah,
3: so yeah. those guys were super awesome. I thought like the like elite like stormtroopers or whatever were kind of cool too. Um, and then Moff Gideon's suit. Yeah, I kind of almost felt like it was Iron Man where like essentially they just build like a better Iron Man suit to like fight Iron Man in. Yeah, like Iron Man, uh, two or something. But, um, yeah, honestly, really liked the episode. Um, Really excited to
2: see what's gonna happen next. Nice. All right, yeah, Dan, what's uh what's your initial thoughts on this?
0: I hated it. No. Uh, <laughs> this episode was great. Like I I really enjoyed it. Right off the bat, them being on Coruscan, it looked like Blade Runner. I thought that was really cool. Um seeing that Imperial Droid come in, like, and then introduce Moff Gideon back to the series, like that was cool. Um the effects I thought were really well done, the visual effects, uh, seeing Moff Gideon's new suit was neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just had like a few minor gripes, but we can get into that later when we yep. dive into it, if there's anything we didn't like. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. It felt like I, I've really been enjoying this season, all, like for the most part. And this was like I think the strongest episode.
2: Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, it's Agreed, Yeah, it's interesting you say that uh, that you've been in, that you've been enjoying this season as a whole because like uh, I've seen just a lot of people. In general, kind of question the overall story of season three I know I know we've kind of been speculating about where this season is going as well um so I mean would you say it's like your favorite season so far or just like it's just that's just like a general kind of statement saying you've been enjoying it
0: um it's just general statement like I would have to really look back on what the other two episodes went through remind myself what happened the other two seasons, but like i've I felt like I, I saw one review where they're like they talked about how a lot of people are griping about the season They're like this season has been the most about Mandalorians than any other season because it's all yeah, about it's Mandalore right. and like yeah. seeing the different tribes. It's not about Luke Skywalker. Like it's not about like
1: I dare this show named Mandalorian. Yeah, Mandalorian.
0: <laughs> so it's like we're finally giving you about the Mandalorian culture and everything and like people are complaining that they want like more of like the movies. <laughs> it's like, that's not what the show's about. So, I, I've, right. yeah, I've been enjoying it.
2: Yeah, nice. Yeah, no, that's that's a good way to put it. I, yeah, I, I've been enjoying it, too. There's been some really, really good episodes in here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, my initial thoughts were, were really just, um, you know, probably the best of the season so far, um, you know, in my opinion. Uh, loved the pra- Praetorian guards. Like, man. Oh, I, that was
0: a great scene.
2: I, I, I cannot begin they, to. It uh,
1: kind of reminded me, let's be honest, they look like the Praetorian guards from Last <laughs> Jedi. Oh, yeah. 100%. percent Were not they this like, I, I
2: thought
0: they, they were the same, same aren't they? they they
2: they are they are the same pr- tr- yeah as a uh, style of of um... Same name, but same name. The
1: armor, yeah. the armor is different. If you look at the ones in Last Jedi, they're almost a little more like samurai. They have like a lot of flat plates. Yes, yeah, are they're they're of the
2: royal guards. Right, they're more scaly. The the Praetorian guards from Last Jedi, and you guys probably can probably all just Google search an image on your end. But um, you know, if you type in Last Jedi Praetorian guards, uh, it's it, they have really clunky looking goofy helmets, and um, not it's to like say that. Yeah, and not to say that in like a bad way, because like you're right, Blake, like it's 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 hundred percent kind of aiming for that samurai like kind of look. Um, and with the the sleevey kind of like the shingly kind of arms and everything like that. Yeah. But I just loved the way that they look in this episode because they look kind of like perfect mix of like armored up but not super clunky that it would inhibit their movements. And then it, they also, for some reason, just looked more intimidating. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was, like, the way that their top, ha- like, bit was kind of, like, slim with the bottom half with that skirt, like, kilt thing. And, you know, the 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 cool-looking knight helmet with, like, the, you know, it was Mandalorian-esque, but it was very medieval-looking. Uh, yeah, it, just, it had a
1: similar T-slit. It
2: just had this, yeah, it just had this really, like, vicious, like kind of, like, intimidating look. And, you know
1: what it reminded me of? It actually reminded me of the like the Emperor's Guards from the prequels.
2: Yeah, the Royal
0: Guards. Yeah. I think that's yeah, I why I to... loved them. Like, like the Imper- Yeah, the Emperor's Guards, uh yeah. Imperial Guards. Um, but one thing I think like that really made them intimidating is just the way they moved. They like in Last Jedi, they're like very like, oh I'm gonna swing these weapons all around and do all this crazy like flourishes. Yeah. Whereas these guys just went right in for the kill. Yeah. And they knew right yeah. where to hit them, like in between the armor the best car armor plates they went exactly yeah killed him you know immediately what?
1: that there's actually a lot of historical you know like reasoning for that too because like medieval knights they were eventually killed by people with like um like fencing swords and stuff right because like you could it was small enough to fit in between the, the armor plates so it's kind yeah. of the same idea
2: right yeah it's 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 interesting that um that you've mentioned that part as well because you know it's, it's they just they just kind of knew what they were doing in this episode. Where it's like like not to throw like a, a boulder on Last Jedi again, but like it's just I don't know. Like I think a lot of that fight sequence was very intended to be stylized. These just these guys just kind of show up. They just did what they were there to do, and then they just walk off. And it's like whoa, surgical strike. Yeah, exactly. Like that's my why these guys. Is,
0: my only complaint is, I, I forgot that guy's name, the big Mandalorian, but. Oh, Didn't Paz. he have a jetpack strapped to his back?
1: Paz Visley, couldn't he have just? Yeah.
0: Couldn't he have just flown out of there?
1: That's I what mean, I was. That's what I was yeah. thinking. That, the whole time, because it's like he's like, no, we have. Yeah, I will save you. I will sacrifice myself and if I saw those guys. But then he could just flown away.
0: Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> his gun, his, his gun was gone. No he had <laughs> his little tiny dagger, like vibroblade, blade. Like, fly away.
2: I guess, I guess, like, the thing is with the Mandalorians is, like, they're always looking, like, true warrior Mandalorians are always looking for the death on the battlefield and not, as a coward, kind of running away, right? Um, uh, that's a good point. So, like, that's the only, because uh, I totally agree, but that's the only thing that kind of lingers in my mind when I think, uh, when I think down that, down that path, because uh, in Clone Wars, they had a very similar way of thinking when Maul is leading his Mandalorian forces in the sewers and he kind of gives a whole speech about this is this is not the way of your people you know to die in the sewers and like he's kind of talking like amping them up going like you know you I promise you a good death on the field of battle and you know that's why you know they they go and fight against the the 501st up there on the on the upper levels and stuff like that and um, I always think to myself like oh yeah you know what like a a good death for a kind of one that they can control and uh in the earlier seasons of mandalorian there was a death watch um terrorist who blows up a bomb in the courtyard in um kind of in front of obi-wan and Satine as they're going for a, through a walk uh, in the park and uh, he, he just takes his own life uh like he's fighting obi-wan for a little bit and then he kind of just jumps off the jumps off the balcony and um you know he didn't need to do that but like either he was intending just not to reveal any secrets if he was questioned or what but I think like it's kind of you know in that mindset they just kind of want to want to be in their own place when when the moment comes right uh Mandalorian's also a great example when he was facing the mud horn uh grogu saved his life you know used the force but he was just fully ready to kind of get killed by this thing so he takes out his knife and he kind of kneels down kind of waiting for the moment to happen and, and it doesn't come so um, all these moments kind of just came to me when I was thinking like, why doesn't he just leave? Um, and it's probably just because he knew like, I need to give my friends, you know, time to get away. This is the only way to do it. And I'm not going to do it and then run away myself. Like I want to do it and then die. Um, it's kind of sad that he kind of orphans his own son, of course, but I guess it's, uh, this is the way, right? <laughs> this is the way.
0: Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs>
2: Yeah, but yeah, Praetorian Guards, amazing. Um, I also gotta say that the color of the weapons. Um, I like the evolution of the, the the style of the character that they gave them. Um, I like the fact that these weapons just kind of reminisced a bit more with uh, the Magna Guards from the prequels and just other times that we've seen electro related weaponry. Um, these just kind of connected a bit more on that level, whereas in the Last Jedi they were uh, they had this like red energy. To them and it's not something that we'd seen before, and um, I think this just kind of fit better in the context of what we already know and what we've already seen with a lot of lightsaber resistant or or um weaponry that can possibly cut through something. Like the the, the purple energy just kind of felt a bit more natural. Uh, I don't know if that you know rang a bell for you guys either, but
1: um, yeah, that reminded me of um, the Magna Guards.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought like, well, if anything can, can, you know, it, it, uh, cause any kind of more, uh, higher level of damage, like this just kind of made more sense, I guess. And, um, I don't know, like I really liked it a lot. It was cool. It reminded me of the old, uh, the old Republic trailer when that, uh, female kind of Jedi person with the yellow lightsaber just destroys those six kind of yellow lightsaber wielding tall, ominous figures on that bridge. I don't know if you, do you, you guys know what I'm talking about? That, that Old Republic trailer? No, off the top of my head. Okay, all right. Uh, I'll send you guys a link later, but it's it's a, it's a cool little fight scene. But it, they kind of reminded me of that, and just like the way that they stood and held their presence, you know, very tall and uh, confident and just there to do the job. They make, make the Praetorian guards look so much more awesome now in The Last Jedi, because now I know what they're capable of. Like, now I know why there's like six of them in that room. It's like you know it's like why he hasn't killed snoke yet because he literally can't do it like kylo Randy like can't possibly fight all these praetorian guards by himself
1: yeah and i feel like uh this seeing them here we, we also just saw more how they seem to have been trained as a unit it's like they are yeah. fighting the uh like on the name of the mando guy there but
3: they as uh, Vizsla.
1: thank you yeah they, they were dueling him but he couldn't really anything because as he would attack one the other guys were already like counterattacking him, right? So it's yep. like they're really well trained as a unit.
2: Yep, yep, for sure. Um, This uh, episode kicked off with a really interesting I mean, we kind of knew that Eliah Kane is a traitor, maybe hence the reason why this episode is called The Traitors uh, but uh, it says traitors so I don't know if maybe there's another traitor. That, there's speculation that Traitor! Uh, yeah, yeah, there's speculation that maybe there's someone in the Mandalorian ranks who could be a voice on the inside for Gideon. Um, do you guys th- share any of those thoughts? Do you think that maybe someone like the Armorer could be a possible Absolutely. traitor? Yeah.
3: I think I forget I was listening in on maybe it was the last podcast. I feel like it was Kirk maybe um who when the um the Armorer asked maybe Bo-Katan about the mythosaur yeah it just seemed like i don't know she she seems shady and even in this in the scene where like she's like flying away in the ship in this episode i don't know just like the way they shoot her and stuff it seems like they're setting her up to be a villain yeah or like someone on the inside interesting that's my
0: wife's theory completely she keeps thinking like she's gonna betray them and i'm like "I, i didn't see it but now hearing you say it, i'm like oh maybe there is something behind it like
2: I thought it was interesting that they kept cutting back to her in the ship, like, you know, saving the, the injured or whatever. You know, she volunteers yeah. herself to take the injured back to the home, the home ship, right? And every time we're flashing back and forth between these, like, chaotic events, like, we always just see, like, a small clip to build suspense, you know, thinking, oh, something's going to happen, right, with, with them going back to the ship. Nothing happens with that. And I just
3: thought I know, like, even like when they go through the clouds and stuff, you're like, Oh, is who is Moff Gideon ship going to be there or
2: something? Right. Yeah. And there wasn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was just kind of like, Oh, like, what are they, what are you doing, Rick? You know, director directors. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, uh, it, it, it was cool. It was cool that they, they kind of left us questioning a little bit of stuff for the finale. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe episode 12 will roll around. Maybe this, this title of the episode will make a bit more sense. Um, The Shadow Council, interesting part of this episode. What a name! Yeah, yeah, it was. What a name! You just want to sound evil. Uh, It was very, very similar to Darth Maul's Shadow Collective, um, who—that's the name that he gives his group of of uh, allies uh, when he's building an alliance to take over Mandalore. Uh, So the combination of the Black Sun, the Pike Syndicate. Um, but, like, could the, you
1: imagine, like, let's just say you're like a, a regular person who just is living in the Star Wars universe and you find out, like, there's a section of the government called the Shadow Council, like, what goes <laughs> through your head?
0: Are we the bad guys? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's funny, right? Like, I mean, how much more ominous and evil can you possibly think of a name for for a group of people, but... Um, I, I, guess, uh, I guess my, my kind of just, I, I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed kind of seeing the, uh, this whole sequence play out. I mean, Moff Gideon, not only does he walk past more of those very suspicious back to tanks, which, you know, people have been questioning what's inside those for a long time. Like, is it Snoke? Is it Palpatine? Is it maybe someone we don't know yet? Um, uh, and, uh, we got a bit more of that conversation. Like he walks past all those cool death trooper commando troops, um, or sorry the uh, jet trooper not death trooper uh, jet troopers and then he walks in that room with all the holograms we saw some very familiar characters in there um, first of all uh, Brendel Hux who um, introduced to us in of course for, uh, well his son introduced to us in Force Awakens as, uh, as um, uh, uh, Armitage General Hux, Hux yeah. Yeah. Ar- yeah General, General Hux um, but uh, also he was uh, uh, Brendel himself was a prominent figure in the Aftermath trilogy um, he was one of the chosen few, I, I believe it was, to help kind of usher in a, a new era for the empire outside of the known space uh, to uh, rescue a bunch of, uh, he was in that group, right? He was in the group of people in which uh, we're supposed to be ushered out of uh, kind of like, a, kind of like an, an imperial exodus of important people. Um, he, was a, he was part of that group that kind of made it out when when the Rebellion was taking down the Empire in that final year leading up to the Battle of Jakku. So right,
1: from that, that book trilogy that yeah, came out, right? Yeah, the
2: Aftermath trilogy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so so that was very cool to see him. Um, fun was that,
1: f- by the way, was that the first time we got the secret code name for what becomes the First Order?
2: I, the Shadow Council?
1: No, there's a name... Uh, they, Hux is in control of Operation...
2: What's um, it called now? Oh, so oh. You, it's like when you raise the dead, is what the word is. Right. Like, um, necromancer? Ne, yeah, it's like necromancy that, or something. Or something? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's, um, he says it in the episode. But he as he a, does. I thought yeah. that
1: might have been the first time we actually I, heard what the first order code name is
2: i think it's yeah i think it's i think it's project necromancer um and and that sounds right that that, that, yeah Yeah, so
3: project necromancer i just watched it
2: right okay yeah so so um project necromancer like that's something that they haven't talked about before like it's not something that's shown up in any previous uh story or or any anything like that it's a new it's a new term it's a new project um my Curiosity is peaked with his, uh, it turns out that Brendel is the one with the obsession of, of cloning technology. And um, it's interesting to me that he's the one with the obsession of cloning technology um, and also is the lead on the project Necromancer. Uh, maybe they go hand in hand, right? Uh, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, we've had, uh, uh, is everyone here um, up to date on on the Bad Batch? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: okay I've he, never seen an episode of the bad batch but you can go ahead and spoil away
2: okay all right um so uh, the the show they will die. the the show has been, <laughs> the show has been teasing um, this location that we keep see uh, popping up as a very secret Imperial base called Mount Tantis um, which is on the the planet Wayland and um, it's' It's been, uh, it's a location that has not only shown up in canon so far, but is also a prominent location uh, within Star Wars Legends. And uh, this was also a location that popped up in such stories like um, uh, Heir to the Empire and uh, I think Outbound Flight, which was also another Thrawn story. And uh, Mount Tantus was created by Timothy Zahn, you know, first in for the Heir to the Empire And uh, this particular location is one that housed uh, one of Palpatine's secret storehouses. Uh, It was considered like a forbidden place to be. And uh, it had something to do with Grand Admiral Thrawn's secret cloning program during his uh, campaign. And um, not to say that this is going to be a complete repeat of events, but I think it's very interesting that in the canon now, we're also getting a story with Mount Tantus, also with a project that involves cloning. Um, and now we're getting uh, characters like Brendel Hux popping up, these mysterious Bacta tanks that keep showing up, um, you know, whispers in this particular era of the Empire, knowing that Thrawn is going to make his inevitable return in, in Ahsoka, as we've seen from the trailer. Uh, it just kind of like, it's kind of connecting the dots in my head, going like maybe Project Necromancer, Mount Tantis. Brendel, Hux, this cloning technology, it's all kind of connected. Um, and Do you think
1: uh, that they're going to find Luke's hand and make
2: Luke <laughs> to use? Yeah, I mean, like, i uh, we know from the Darth Vader comics that Snoke is a product of Luke's DNA, right? Like, which is kind of weird. Um, Wait,
0: he is? Yeah. I didn't know that.
2: There was a, a small panel with, uh, it kind of alluded to the fact that that Luke's hand was was found. And it was kept in, in containment in a, in a Bacta tank on Exegol. And uh, the uh, evil scientists there, or whatever, were, were um, I guess, using it as a resource to harvest um, chlorians from or something to, to uh, make Snoke possible. Because we, we, we know from Star Wars that making a Force-sensitive clone yeah. is supposed to be impossible. Um, and I think that's why Palpatine's bodies never quite work for him right because they they, uh, they 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 fail and he you know he's, he's searching for a solution to uh, kind of make a permanent transition to a body that's not going to degrade on him and um, I guess Snoke being this like Frankenstein kind of thing could be uh, you know could be in relation to this effort in trying to bring uh, make a body for Palpatine because uh, Palpatine does does say in Rise of Skywalker that he made Snoke uh, so it, you know it, it, maybe one thing leads to the next maybe it's all kind of it kind of connected somehow. Right. Um, and, uh, I guess I'm really just excited for seeing kind of the outcome of like what happens with all this stuff. I mean, Captain Palian, another heir to the empire character making his return to star Wars with this particular episode in Mandalorian, that was very cool to see.
0: Um, I did, I did like that they mentioned Thrawn and then like Gideon's like, who's this Thrawn guy? Like, I don't care. Like he's like, knowing who, who Thrawn is and how powerful he is. Like, I'm like, oh, you have no idea who you're messing with.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it, yeah, it's cool. I mean, because like Gideon right now kind of sees himself as like the center point, right? Like the kind of the leader in a, in a little bit of ways. He he says he kind of throws Thrawn's name around as if it's, you know, he's like, well, you keep saying that Thrawn is inevitable return, but uh, you know, and I, yeah, you're right. I think he doesn't really quite see the. Um, uh, I guess, see a world in which Thrawn kind of supersedes him and in, in the order of events kind of thing. Right now, it's just a, a group of warlords all kind of doing what they do to serve the Empire in their own kind of selfish ways. But um, yeah, I guess it could be very interesting. I think what we might be looking at is maybe a possible like fatal end from off Gideon at some point in the near future so that Thrawn can kind of replace him as like the main villain. You know what I mean? Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Captain Palian, though, he was also uh, introduced in, in Heir to the Empire, I think it was. Uh, so that yeah, was in the that original was book cool.
1: series. He's uh, Thrawn's second in command. In the book series, though, he was a little bit bumbling, but he had the same thick mustache that he has here in the show. Right.
2: I, I must be misremembering, but uh, Blake, maybe you can refresh my memory because you watched Star Wars Rebels a second time more recently than I have. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing on Wikipedia that he was actually reintroduced in the canon in the final season of Rebels. Do you remember him being a character that popped up, or maybe that's just like maybe it's just a small cameo that most people might miss?
1: Honestly, I, I think I would have missed it too. I wouldn't have realized those the same guy as
2: the books. Okay, all right, all right. Well, uh, I'm rewatching
0: just, Rebels right now, so I'll I'm on season three, so I'll let you know once I hit season four.
2: Yeah, definitely, just, definitely, yeah
1: just look for a guy with a big white mustache
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly uh what'd you guys think of um ig 11's uh kind of successor in the form of ig12 yes Yes. oh my gosh to be
3: honest i didn't really like it (laughs) i think it was like overdone the whole like yes yes no no like it just it reminded me a
0: bit from um the original tron movie there's this little guy that followed Tron around going, yes, 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 no, 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 like,
2: oh, yeah, yeah. Me of that, <laughs> so, I'm gonna, okay, so, is that something you liked, or didn't like, then,
0: I, I didn't mind him being in the suit, I, it, him going through the market, and, like, just being a nuisance, reminded me of Jar Jar from Phantom Menace, <laughs> <laughs> and like, True. it bugged the crap out of me, I'm like, when Grogo's just sitting there being cute. I like him when he's like being a little child and just like e- eating everything. I always hate those scenes And every se- every episode he does Reminds this.
1: You, this. I pays it, this the bills. You're your parent. <laughs>
0: yeah. Maybe that's what it is. It's reminding me of my own kid and like it's traumatizing me.
2: Yeah. PTSD <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Blake, what what do you think of this one?
1: Uh I don't. I'd say I probably didn't like it. I thought it was really cheesy. Um, uh, I, I feel like they just needed to get him out of something, like out of the uh, out of that the, the the carriage bubble thing he's been flying around. Mm. I think it's probably the idea. He's a little more practical. I mean, we might. I, I will say, one of the things I was most taken aback by is he. I think Grogu seems older in the way that he can drive this thing around or he feels less toddlery. So maybe that's what they're trying to do because he as as we see him out of the suit he he is like this young bumbling toddler, but mm-hmm. when he's in the suit we're learning that he can recognize yes and no and can actually move ligaments and do stuff like more the more uh, okay, uh like an older, more grown and uh fulfilled Mind, because technically he's fifty, so maybe they're trying to get get the the audience perspective away from him being this small toddler.
2: Right, right. I I I don't think it helps with him in the market stealing food and stuff. Like. <laughs> yeah, I mean
1: that's the other side of it. So it's like one step don't forward,
2: do Don't you think day. they honestly do that to like like?
3: Do you think one could even argue that? Do you think they intended Grogu to still be here in season three, or is it the fact that like he sells I've tickets been to the parks? That
1: I've been wondering that for a while. I almost feel like he wasn't supposed to be here. He was supposed to be with Luke, was the yeah. maybe was the original story intention? Yeah. Because even just him being a Mandalorian to me is just bizarre.
3: Yeah, like it's just—he seems kind of like a, kind of a hassle. He's like always like there and like always like. He's kind of like Omega and Bad Batch. Like just like ends up being more of a problem than. Right. Yeah. A solution. But
1: on top of that, because of his his age situation, he's going to be a toddler for the next two hundred and fifty <laughs> years. So, like anything, Dinjarum, te- Dinjarum will die, and he will have aged like half a year.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. It makes me wonder, like, are we ever going to see him talk? And you know, the answer is probably, probably not.
1: You know. Oh, and, and so well, the the first I kind of chuckled because I I. I I started to wonder if they're going to in a suit, gonna give him like a Stephen Hawking situation where he can like talk through a computer
2: <laughs> oh man i you know I think you know when it comes to an idea like that I, I i just I can't really get on board, you know what i mean it's just uh it's just a bit too much, I think you know if they're gonna do anything with the character um they they got to do something more creative than you know an exoskeleton kind of like a super robot that he <laughs> drives around in. It's just a little much for me to take in. It was cool. It was like, it was kind of like adorable and cute, I guess for one episode, but yeah, I, I really hope it doesn't stick. Um, and uh, you know, it's like, I'm not complaining about it yet, but I'm just kind of worried that, that this will kind of linger too long. And then just, just laying the foundation of complaining later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I
0: mean, they spent a lot of time setting it up, but like with the statue and trying to get the circuit board. I'm like, this is where you went with all that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I I felt the exact same way. Yeah. Uh, So we also had um, a bit of a a interesting reveal from Bo-Katan that she actually kind of fills in the gaps a little bit, how the dark saber came to Gideon's possession. Um, This also kind of reveals or plays up in, in a, later moment in the episode when Gideon comes out in his Mandalorian armor because uh, through war tactics, he technically, you know, kind of earned or I guess like, you know, got the Darksaber from Bo-Katan by uh, sending her into uh, submission, right? Um, so I guess until Din Djarin, that is, wins it back off of him. Uh, but I guess one could almost argue that he is a bit of a kind of outsider... Uh, sort of uh, unrespectable uh, leader of Mandalore for a very short, brief period of time. Uh, well, of,
1: let's, let's not forget, this is exactly what Darth Maul did.
2: Exactly, yeah. And, and that's kind of what I'm getting at, which, which would lead reason to him having Mandalorian armor when he pops out at the end of this episode. So it, to me, it didn't really feel like it was out of place. Um, I don't think it was there for like the 100% idea of you know this is only because it's lightsaber resistant. I think it's it's basically trying to m- kind of make this like dark kind of parallel to the idea that this guy for a number of years once really truly held the the dark saber in in, uh, in, in custom with tradition right um, which is pretty crazy to think about. So uh, he also kind of reveals his evil plan, um, you know, combining the Jedi, the Mandalorian, and, and what else did he say?
0: Cloners. It was, uh, he said, uh, yeah. cloners, Jedi, cloners. and the Mandalorians.
2: Cloners, yeah, that's right. Yeah, cloning research. Kevin yeah. So I guess, I don't really know what to think anymore. Like, is this Brendel Hux's obsession? Is it his obsession? Like, I, I don't even know. Um, but it, it, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how this thing kind of closes up. But uh, what'd you guys think of that whole reveal with uh, maybe we can start with you, Darren, um, uh, like reveal of Bo-Katan's kind of surrender. And then um, also uh, any, anything to do on this Moff armor.
3: Yeah, I can chat up more about the, the armor. Like I said, it, it just kind of felt like to me, who's not as familiar with, with like, the Bo-Katan side of things and you're saying now how him having the armor like kind of pays homage to the fact that he had like the dark saber and stuff. Like the way I see it as more of a casual viewer is just like, I don't know. It seems like he's just trying to like one up the Mandalorians by like having this black suit. That's best car. But uh <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's kind of like, it's cool and evil. Like I was even just rewatching the scene of him like walking in and how like over the top ridiculous I, it is.
1: I will say, I think part of the idea with the armor is like, One hand is Mandalorian, but at the same time, he is uh, ISB, and ISB traditionally wear black shiny armor.
3: Right. It also even like kind of gave me like Darth Vader kind of vibes. We'll say maybe that was just me, but like just with kind of like the different colors on the chest and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, that's me.
2: I, I would
1: say for the armor, though, one thing that I I wasn't fond of was the horns on the helmet. But it, that really reminded me of the the Darth Maul Mandalorians.
2: Yes, yeah, yes.
1: Added horns to their helmets.
2: Do you think maybe that's intentional? Do you think maybe that that's kind of where it's going? Perhaps, perhaps he does have some kind of connection to. Oh, I didn't think, but what if he was a
1: Mandalorian under Maul?
2: Exactly right. Like like we don't really know too much about his past before he was um moff gideon right like 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 was he a mandalorian like he, he's never admitted it but like true he could be right um he's got this obsession with mandalorian people so like you, we don't know um and and that's definitely a possibility uh there's also maybe some connection to the armor having horns on her helmet as well and like maybe she was under maul's tutelage or, or servants uh uh service at, at one point You know, just as he was, or something like that. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why the episode is called Death Watch. Uh, Death Watch. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, like, we don't really know a whole lot about either of their pasts, right? Um, And uh, yeah, that's
3: good, those are good points.
2: Yeah, Uh, Dan, you got anything on this?
0: Um, I thought it looked badass. Uh, Not not having seen Clone Wars, I didn't know anything about the horns, but I thought it looked really cool and menacing on on his helmet and it reminded me there's this comic from marvel called the micronauts and the main bad guy has armor like that that has like these horns on his helmet called baron Parva, i believe and and it reminded me of that so i thought it was really cool looking
2: um oh nice okay oh cool um did yeah. you guys know it was moff gideon right away i i could tell through the voice uh, through the voice, oh, the, the the cape also kind of kind of gave it away because yeah, he never true. he never doesn't have that cape on. Uh, I, I kind of I think it, it is kind of funny that they managed to get his cape on even with a jetpack. <laughs> it's like, man, you you got to like like I don't know maybe it's just like a like a stature thing that he just has to have this cape on. But I thought it was so goofy looking when he flies off. And it almost looks just like there's been a them all hole. The time, cause yeah, it just looks like there's been a hole that's cut out for the jetpack. So when he flies off, you see the jetpack behind him, but it almost looks like it's been magnetized over top of his cape, so that it's legend. You know, it's like it's so funny. Yeah, some um, fireproof material. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but no, I thought it was cool. I thought um, his chest plate did have uh, some very Boba Fett vibes. He's got the kind of like scrolling lettering on the. Uh, the the part uh, the part of the the breastplate kind of near the heart area. Um, yeah, and, like, uh, yeah, yeah, he's also got that very mandalorian looking kind of diamond shaped thing in the center. Um, and uh, the, the the helmet had like a red lens to it, which kind of goes hand in hand with the inner part of his cloak. Uh, but yeah, the the horns were were kind of most intriguing to me. I, I just thought that was a very curious choice. If it's not supposed to play homage to Maul, uh, perhaps it's supposed to kind of represent sort of like a crown, um, which kind of plays into my theory as to, uh, you know, this guy did once hold the dark saber, maybe, uh, maybe it's kind of like a, an emotion, an homage to the fact that he is, you know, in some twisted way, kind of a leader of, of the Mandalore, um, uh, or I guess ruler of Mandalore <laughs> seeing as he's got this entire Imperial base there, um which by the way i i have a hard time believing that mandalorian and grogu managed to go there and Bo Katan shows up they have that whole earlier section in the season where they're there for like two episodes and somehow they go completely undetected by like whatever was there um the whole time and i just thought that was like like what (laughs) like how did they not notice that they were there you know what i mean like this whole interior base that you think they would have like perimeter scanners or something like that. That would be... Uh, I know it's a big place. It's a big planet. But like to me, I just thought, okay, I don't know why they, they can't detect why they, they were there earlier earlier on, uh, which I thought was kind of funny. But, um, yeah. What did you guys think of this uh, Beskar-enhanced stormtroopers? Um, Blake, maybe you got any theories on these guys? you know what they are? Um, the audio description he, labeled them as two things. Uh, one was... Uh, a uh, flying commando and the other was armored commandos, but two, two times in the audio description, they were described as commandos. Uh, so do you think this? Commandos
1: one... I buy. I, I don't know if they have Beskar though. Cause they kept getting shot and dying Unlike like. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I thought that was kind of weird too. The, the, the Wikipedia um, entry had the Beskar enhanced stormtroopers label on it. I thought that was kind of interesting as well when I read it because uh, cause like I just copied and pasted this from somebody else's writing. So maybe they're not Beskar enhanced. Maybe they're just, you know, I don't know, regular
1: Besko defendants, like but aren't Beskar they, the aren't armies. they
3: the ones that helped free Moff Gideon or was that implied or are we still thinking that it was some sort of a, a Mandalorian?
1: They revealed that. Yeah. could be. I, I think they do
0: have Beskar and armor, but I think because it wasn't Mandalorians that made the armor, maybe the, They've made it with imperfections. They didn't. Oh, yeah. So it's like mm-hmm. it's stronger, but it's not as strong as the Mandalorian armor. It's like built by the armor. Who knows what she's doing?
2: Right, right. Yeah, so it's not. So you're saying maybe it's like a new type of alloy, not like 100% Beskar armor.
0: Yeah, they like like, oh, we got to crank out all these armors really fast. Like, let's just yeah and the, melt down this armor and put it into our thing. But they didn't really do it right.
2: The Imperial way. Yeah, yeah they hired the trade federation. Yeah. to right. do it. No, that's a good theory um i do i would uh... say
1: it i really like the design because the like the helmets especially look like they're really like skull mm, they yeah super cool but i'm looking at it now it almost looks like if you took one more step between uh like the clone trooper phase two and like a, a mandal like a
2: specifically like Django's armor mm-hmm. Yeah, it does kind of look like that. Um, uh, I'm going to bring up a a, a similar topic of conversation here to go hand in hand with this, which is the Imperial Super Commando. Um, We've seen these guys in Star Wars Rebels. Uh, They're kind of more closely based on Ralph McQuarrie's concept for Boba Fett. Um, And Rebels ended up using that design to create an idea that there were a, a group of Mandalorians who sided with the Empire um, and, uh, they were led by, uh, I, th- I hope I don't get this name right. I think it was Gar Saxon. Um, but, um, it could be somebody else. Uh, but yeah, they, uh, they dressed head to toe in like white armor, but they had the red Imperial badge on their arm. Um, and they did have jetpacks. and, uh, they kind of like, they didn't look similar to these guys, but, um, because the helmet is totally different. I feel like I shared an image
1: in the chat because I was looking at them too.
2: Yeah, like I, I guess I'll ju- I'm just kind of throwing it out there. Like, do you think that maybe these could be next generation Imperial super commandos, but m- perhaps not actual Mandalorians in the armor? Like, do you think that maybe that's, that's what that's what it, it feels like because they're so similar? but the main
1: yeah the main thing as you're just saying is this the original super commandos those were actual mandalorians that switched sides to the empire and their armor wasn't beskar it was plastoid same as the stormtroopers
2: right right yeah no, i i just thought it was kind of uh kind of curious but um uh, D- uh dan you've seen you've seen rebels through right yes yeah like well, not
0: are... all the way through i only i'm on the third season now
2: oh gotcha okay um i forget in the third season have they shown up yet
0: uh, not on that, not as far as I've watched too.
2: Okay. All right. Um, all right. Then, um, sorry for spoiling it then. <laughs> uh, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, they were, um, yeah, that, that's pretty much, that's pretty much what I was thinking, uh, you know, when, when it came to, uh, I guess who these guys are, but then again, if, if that's what they were, I, I, I have a hard time believing that they were just playing guard duty, um, wherever Moff Gideon took that hologram. Uh, so, I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll maybe find out later, but I, I did think it was interesting that they used the word commando to kind of describe who these guys were. Um, so well, I was, I was
0: wondering if those, um, those clone vets that he walked past, if he's just doing new clone troopers, but like, that's what those guys are just in the armor. Like he's cloning new bodies and putting them in that.
2: Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good theory as well. I mean, maybe, maybe he is using those back to tanks successfully. Uh, how crazy would it be if, you know, one of the one of those guys lost their helmet and we realized it was, like, a very twisted-looking Tamura Morrison underneath that was, like, <laughs> kind of like a bad-looking clone or whatever? Like, that'd be pretty nuts. <laughs> um, or how crazy would it be if it was actually, like, a Mark Hamill-looking face? You know, it's like, yeah, it's, like, <laughs> beginnings of Snoke right there.
0: Uh, <laughs> um, did, but, speaking of Rebels, did anyone think, like, when they found that um, – that land roving ship that had the the surviving Mandalorians on it, like to me when that showed up, that reminded me of when they found in Rebels that that walker with the um, with the clone troopers Rex and
2: it did those yeah those few other guys yeah it felt very similar didn't it yeah that moment um, I liked that a lot I liked that kind of like land cruising boat looking thing that, that was pretty sweet that yeah was good that, was,
1: that was cool it's like something to see like sliding across like the ice like it's all glass the planet's all glass now.
2: yeah that's really cool seeing that yeah very very nice kind of visuals and uh um, there's a
0: lot of pirate themes in this season
2: oh yeah yeah for sure and uh, yeah, yeah I'm, true i'm digging it it's very uh very kind of in line with like you know
1: oh man what's that water world it's a very water world kind
2: it of thing is <laughs> like the yeah, uh, Mon Calamari? No, the movie Waterworld. No, not oh. the movie Waterworld. <laughs> oh, gotcha. it's, it's like Mad Max, but the the
1: idea is the, the uh, all the ice caps have melted, so the entire world is flooded, so everyone
2: lives on boats. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Oh. Yeah, Kevin
0: Costner. A...
3: Huh. Universal California used to have like a, a Waterworld. Um, stunt like, show. It was yeah. Good. Yeah. Oh,
2: cool. Oh, wow i don't think i missed that yeah that was the ultimate yeah i was
0: telling mad max like they would fight over fuel because that's like a very important commodity when there's no land
2: right right Uh, keep keep the ships alive i guess right um yeah no that that was cool i love the design of that that crazy massive monster creature we haven't even talked about that um that was that was kind of interesting to see i i didn't realize that creatures like that existed on mandalore yeah,
1: well it's like not brought up at all. It's just out of nowhere these giant creatures.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like maybe I don't know. Like
0: They did say like since the planet got bombed, like a lot of stuff has been unearthed. Like you know, like maybe these are Mandalore's Balrogs.
2: Right. Oh, right. Maybe. Yeah, that's... Like Sindari that's good, City.
1: It was just like a dome. It's so not getting smashed apart.
0: I thought it was going to be a, the Mythosaur at first coming out. Yeah, oh, no, well. it's,
2: it's a good point. Yeah, because yeah, at first you don't really see what it is, right? And then it ends up being this kind of Godzilla-like looking creature thing or whatever with like a spiny back and
3: dinosaur, big long
2: dinosaur yeah. tail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a very random appearance just because it's so brief. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was like,
0: we just got to destroy this boat. So let's just have this random monster show up and destroy it. And then that'll be the end of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. The director of this episode just really hates pirates. He's just get rid of their boats.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's kind
1: of just like done. And then we move on. It was. Know, yeah. Why? It's a good question. I don't know why. Maybe, they, maybe it'll
2: it, pop dude. up again. Maybe it'll pop up again. I, I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's a question the question did you guys have anything you wanted to bring up that i may have missed over here
0: uh i thought it was awesome seeing that that giant imperial ship show up you know flying over the city that. Carl Weathers was in with the giant Mando symbol underneath it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just um, gonna
1: ask how long with the size of that ship. Who everyone, painted that?
3: Let's yeah,
2: they have like 10 <laughs> guys, so like, how long do you think it took to paint that? It's so symmetrical and perfect, dude. Lizzo probably did it. <laughs> <Yeah.
3: laughs> That's a great
0: scene seeing all the ships. I, I love the Mandalorian ships that like fold, I don't know what they're called, but they it's a great design.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, like the one Bo Katan drives, yeah, yeah. 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 And I like, I like seeing them all like, it's just like clone wars. Like when all the Mandalorians are in the back, like kind of just like ready gearing up and they like f- fall out of the bottom and use their jetpacks. It's like really cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. I like that too. i have like, like, like a parachute bay.
0: That's putting yeah. a lot of
3: trust in your jetpacks.
2: <laughs> yeah. True. Sure.
0: But it's, it's, it's a cool sequence.
2: Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed that too. Um, they're uh, they're called, uh, uh, class fighters. Um, and, uh, Pretty much only used by Mandalorians, but um, what, what what's Bocatan's called? Is it is she called the Gauntlet or something? Also called oh no, also called yeah. I these do you recognize also called, that name? They're also called Gauntlet Starfighters. So so yeah, people call them Gauntlet for short. But you know, I guess
1: in because the, they run the Gauntlet. I I don't know. I guess so. <laughs>
2: um, yeah. So um, all right, cool. Yeah, you get you get Blake Darian. Nothing else to.
3: I thought the, um, like, just after the the scene uh, with Moff Gideon, like, all, like, the ships in, like, the hangar bays looked really cool. How they are kind of, like, hung, like, bats. Like, that just yeah, seemed really cool. Like, oh, yeah, little,
1: like, spiders dangling down or something. Yeah, that was yeah. interesting, yeah, yeah.
3: And, like, all, like, the, the, the lighting in that scene it just, like, super cool.
0: Seeing the bombers up close, like, they just, yeah. they looked ferocious. Like, everything looked really good.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. This is the first time we've actually seen a bomber kind of that close up because i think the only other time we've seen them that close is you know the only time they've really ever shown up which is empire strikes back but um yeah
1: it's overhead shot for those
2: yeah yeah exactly yeah so i think this is like kind of the first kind of hero shot that we've had of them and yeah they're cool looking ships like i've got one in lego and you know it kind of looks nothing like it cuz um <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're basing it off of like five you pixels have to buy long the new one. yeah yeah exactly um <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, some great I, shots in this episode. It was beautiful looking. Um,
0: uh, one thing I noticed is like I've, I don't know how much stagecraft is still being used, but like they've really upped their game on using it because it's you, you can't tell anymore that it's like stagecraft. Oh, no.
1: I was literally mm. just gonna complain about one. Scene oh, really? It's Very stagecrafty. Uh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> which which scene?
1: It's uh, when they first start fighting those the uh, like the the jump troopers.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It's
1: like they're all standing within like uh i don't know like 10 it feels like a 10 by 10 box that it seemed like an excuse that they're on like a cliffside but the the, uh, the the fight between the two sides to me just felt really
0: really restricted uh,
1: restricted yeah i think that's the best way to put it it was just it like it, it, i if it would almost be like if if uh, you, you watch someone like playing vr and they're like in a box and they're shooting bunch of cg things flying around i kind of felt like that to me
2: (laughs) yeah i know what you mean um and anytime you get those very small scale um kind of choreography looking fight sequences or or like chase scenes or whatever you just know that it's in the volume like like those uh speeders in book of boba it's like man oh god let's not speak of those speeders i apologize for bringing it up again but uh like the, the 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 rate that they travel it's like you just know that there's a dude walking next to them with a camera and the, the the surroundings is is virtually whizzing past them you know what i mean like it's like you just know that those speeders aren't traveling more than like two kilometers an hour on a set of tracks Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's like some limitations kind of still bear their ugly head, I guess, Uh, with being in a dome. I would say
1: in this case, it was a choreography issue. So I felt like if they had tried to make more integrated between the two and like quicker cuts always help, right. With stuff like that. Instead, they did a lot of wider shots with people that can't move very much, which kind of breaks the illusion in my mind.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think a combination of more kind of full CG shots or something would have been, would have been good as well. Just to kind of like have, have those moments where they're just kind of you know diving in and off the cliff and flying around and kind of shooting each other in the air, kind of like what they did with Clone Wars. Like you look at back at some of those Mandalorian battles in Clone Wars, they're amazing, um, and there's just you know sky's the limit when when everything's kind of being done in like a virtual space i guess but um
1: it's not to say the whole thing was bad either because like there was some one-on-one fights once the 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 imperial uh soldiers were like amongst them and there's more melee combat it looked good but it was when they were like shooting back and forth i thought it looked really rough
2: yeah that's fair yeah no i I i totally get it Yeah. Uh, right. Well, I guess that sums it up for, for this episode and it's time to give us some Pablo's, uh, Pablo points or Poodoo's. Um, so for those who don't know, it is our rating system for this particular podcast that we've adopted as of this year, uh, in which it's a scale of seven. All right. So three Pablo Poodoo's is the absolute worst, uh, moving up from there, you know, you got Two Pablo Pudus, one Pablo Pudu, and then you got the middle, which is a Bendu. That's like a 50% score. You know, didn't like it, didn't hate it kind of thing. And then you go into the Pablo point range, which is one, two, and three in the positive section. Three being the absolute best. Um, does that kind of make any sense? Does everybody? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, Dan, why don't you kick things off? Um, I give it a two. Two power points.
0: Yeah, nice. I really enjoyed right. the episode. Um, it wasn't perfect because there was a few nitpicks here and there, but uh, yeah, say two. Awesome. Two and a half.
3: Awesome. Awesome. Darien. Agreed. Yeah, I would say two. Good episode.
2: Awesome. Blake, where are you at with this one?
1: It's really not a lot of variety here. I was thinking two, two and a half as well. This was it was just really good. It was just, there was only just a handful of ca- uh, caveats which we kind of went over here, so... Yeah. I'll break the mold a little bit and say two and a half.
2: This one stood out to me a lot. I mean, we got the Death of Paz Vizla in there, Praetorian Guards showing up for the first time, the Shadow Collective, so many cool um, cameos from, you know, Hux and Paleon and mentions of Thrawn, and yeah, th- like, there was so much to enjoy about this. I, th- I gotta say, the only gripe was really just the IG-12 unit. Um, and, uh, that was, yeah, that that's, that's probably much the it. biggest thing. Yeah. That was like the biggest one for me, but it's still, again, it's like kind of preliminary complaints there. So I can't really count that towards my score. So I think I'm going to say like, maybe like a two, you know, maybe just North of a two, but yeah, I think two polo points. is kind of a good, good spot for this one. It was great. Enjoyed it a lot. There was a lot to like, um, and, uh, there we have it, I guess. Unanimous.
1: <laughs> I, I love that you go on like this big, explanational tangent to end up in the exact same situation.
0: Have you lined up differently on the other episodes or is it, do Normally, you guys usually agree?
1: Uh, usually like plus or minus like two points I'd say.
2: Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean I think the last week's episode was the most contrasted. I think uh, I, Bryce was, is it was his first three Pablo Pudus. Uh, he just <laughs> oh, absolutely he really hated it. He, he absolutely hated it. Um, Even the
0: beginning and ending, like when they're dealing with uh, I think so. Bogaton?
2: Yeah, he just he just hated the whole thing. um And uh, I don't know. I think it was just a bad week. But <laughs> it's just like yeah, I, for me, I, I I forget what I put it at. Was it one Pablo point? I think I gave. Yeah, it like I, a, think so. I think so. I, I was
1: I was one pudu. He was three pudus, maybe two. And then yeah, you were like one point. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think I would give it one point. I think I, I would agree with that.
2: Right. Yeah. It's, it, you know, I just like, I didn't hate it that much. There's been definitely worse things I've seen, um, and read and whatever, but, um, yeah, I don't know, Like while we're on the subject, Darian, what would you give last week's episode? Just out of curiosity?
3: Uh, probably two voodoo's, uh, question for you. What would you give three Pablo points?
2: Oh, three Pablo points. I mean, that's like, it was like George, like Rise George of Skywalker, maybe. <laughs> it was like George Lucas's Star Wars movies for me. Uh, you know, I think they all kind of deserve a three Pablo points. Um, but yeah, it's and anything that really ticks all the boxes, right? Like, does it contribute to the lore? Does it have good character development? Does it have a good larger story arc? Does it connect to the audiences? Does it have good, maybe you get like good moral to it or something like that? Um, and I feel like if it doesn't really connect, uh, like tick all of those boxes, I can't really give it three Pablo points. That's just how I look at it. But, um, you know, everyone's got their own idea of what, what it should be, which is why it makes it such an interesting rating system because, you know, you can kind of tell it's like, all right, you know, if it's under the halfway point, it's like, you didn't like it, but like, how much did you not like it? Right. Um, and uh, I think that's where it differ from from like a one through 10 scale, because like, I guess if it's less than five, it's like that could be considered you didn't really like it. But then again, it's like so much more room for for uh, fluctuation in there. Uh, but sometimes we make a joke out of our rating system. We'll give it like well, like one point seven five six eight Pablo points or something like that. <laughs> like what was it? What was it you're giving it, Blake? Uh, it was like two and three sixteenths. Yeah, two and three sixteenths. <laughs> it's like yeah, it was. It's it's a, it's a rating system ma- meant for a meant for a bit of a joke, meant for a bit of a laugh, I guess. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's wrap things up here with uh, one final look at the book, the Utini Book Madness. And then we'll uh, we'll call the call the day. All right. So we got the final results of the UTNE book madness, and you know the people are happy, people are excited. Uh, it's uh, it's been interesting, it's been fun to kind of see the results kind of come in and uh, just you know, see how it all uh, kind of plays out. Um, so um, I think, where where did we leave off, Blake? Do you remember where, I think we were looking at round three or something like that. The third? I thought we only did two. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I think, well, because you're, you're away for a little bit there. So I think I think there may have been a week or, or two. Ah, that yeah, that I was going sense. over things with Bryce there, but. Um, but yeah, I I, uh, I think we we're, I think we left off. Actually, Darian, maybe you can recall. I think maybe you've heard more of the recent weeks than I have. Do you, were, were we on round three?
1: Uh, Darren just went up the airlock. Oh, yeah, did I, he's he? Fe- I, he's floating out there. I can see him.
2: Oh, he's, he was floating out there? Oh, man. Yeah, He's
1: floating away. He's trying to swim towards us. Oh, dang. Oh, that? now he's not moving.
2: There he goes. <laughs> there he goes. Um, Okay, well maybe he'll be back. Uh, all right, well in uh, in round three we've got um, uh, let's see, I think we left we left off with uh, with Thrawn versus Darth Plagueis, I believe, or or maybe it was Kenobi versus the High Public. Uh, okay, well yeah, we got uh, winning results. Thrawn came out on top of Darth Plagueis, so rest in peace, Darth Plagueis. It was bah. too bad. That was the one I was voting for, so that's too bad. Yeah. Um, And then we had uh, Kenobi versus uh, the High Republic, the Rising Storm. That's the second book in phase uh, one. Uh, And the High Republic uh, beat out Kenobi. Uh, And then finally, we had Darth Bane Trilogy versus the Han Solo Trilogy. And naturally, Darth Bane won. Uh, That gave us with our round four results. uh, Thrawn Trilogy and Legends versus Brotherhood. And Thrawn Trilogy, of course, won that out. Uh, we had Light of the Jedi versus the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy, and uh, High Republic won out against that. Uh, episode three, Revenge of the Sith novelization, beat out Thrawn the canon novel, so that one, well, that one's going far. And we had the Rising Storm versus Darth Bane trilogy, and Rising Storm beat out Darth Bane. Which led us to the semifinals, which had only two matches. Rising in it.
1: Storm is that High Republic?
2: That was yeah, that was High Republic. Yeah, that was the the second oh, wow. second book of the of the High Republic trilogy. I didn't think that one was that good, but you know, oh, um, was that
1: the one where they're at the uh, like the county fair? Yeah,
2: yeah, that was the one that was took place at the fair. Yeah, that's right. Oh man, that was like the worst one. <laughs> I know, right? Like I, I don't know why that was
1: so voted for, but like you know, we we read a few of the High Republic books now, and that was hands
2: down the it's worst definitely of definitely the series yeah, so far. absolutely yeah uh, all right we had throng just trilogy. couldn't get
1: past the pie eating contest being like th- the main uh, climax it's like a whole chapter
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right, we, had the, we had the Thrawn trilogy and star wars legends versus light of the jedi the higher public novel and it was a bit of a close call but light of the jedi won uh between that and the Thrawn trilogy and legends so that was a bit of a surprise um, we had re- Yep, we had Revenge of the Sith novelization versus The High Republic, um, The Rising Storm, and uh, The High Republic, Rising Storm, <laughs> beat it out. Uh, so the final match was The Rising Storm from The High Republic versus Light of the Jedi in The High Republic. And Light of the Jedi won as the most uh, voted-for book in U-T-E Book Madness. Um, what... What are your thoughts on that? I don't, even know, what that? I, I don't know what surprising. to say. I don't know what to Yeah, because, okay, Dan, what do you... So, like, I mean, we've just been caught up with the scores. Have you read any of these books that have kind of... Kind I've
0: of only mentioned? read four Star Wars books, and that's Splinter of the Mind's Eye and the braun Trilogy. Um,
1: you just like Splinter of the Mind's Eye because Luke and Leia get together.
0: I No, that's just, that was the first <laughs> Star Wars book ever written, and I'm that old. Uh, yeah, I'm just
1: bugging
2: <laughs> <laughs> No. Okay. So um, the High Republic era is is I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. It's it's good. Um, I th- we all thought Light of the Jedi was a great Star Wars book. I don't think it really earns its place in this particular. Uh, elimination Madness thing as the best Star Wars book there's, ever. There
1: is better books. That's the thing. for it was, sure. It was, yeah. it was enjoyable, but there's others that are even more better.
2: Like Plagueis. Yes, yeah. Like Plagueis was was a much better book. I can't believe that didn't beat out the first Canon Thrawn novel. Um, and it wasn't even that close. Like it was like Thrawn had five hundred ninety points versus four seven four for for Darth Plagueis. So it was a bit of well, a... Yeah, but I, I was very glad to see that the Revenge of the Sith novelization made it that far. Um, I, I have a really hard time believing that the Rising Storm beat it out, only because I didn't feel like that one was that great, that it should even have made it to the semifinals. But, um, you know, no offense to Kevin Scott, but it's just like, I just, I don't know. Like, I didn't really connect with the book. The, the Revenge of the Sith novelization, though, has so many people kind of just kind of, you know, always just saying that's like one of the greatest books ever written. Uh, it, oh it's, wow! i it's
1: actually never read it. Maybe I should check it out.
2: It is that good. A fun fact: Do they Actually, go
0: past the movie. Like, is there like a lot of extra stuff in it or something?
2: There, there is. Yeah, and and there's a fun fact actually because technically the novelization for that book I don't believe is considered canon as far as like the new Star Wars canon goes. Uh, only the Disney movies novelizations have had books in which they've called them the expanded editions of the films where those are technically considered canon. Um, But, you know, it is based on the movie and it was done in collaboration with George Lucas. So I feel like people, it's kind of those weird, it's like a weird gray area. Um, But at the very end of the credits in Revenge of the Sith, there is a mention to the Del Rey novel where you can like read, read the Del Rey novel or something. It's the very, very tail end of the credits. Uh, which I thought was really interesting, I, I never even noticed that before. Uh, but uh, the yeah Ma- Matthew Stover's um, Revenge of the Sith novel is mentioned in, in in the film in the credits, so that was uh, yeah I guess it could be considered canon. Uh, but th- there's a lot to enjoy there. If you didn't, if you weren't a big fan of the movie, or you know, if you felt like the movie could have been longer, or or you know, you like the story, but in the way it, it didn't enjoy the way it was executed on screen, I think maybe the novels probably a a great Star Wars book to pick up and check out because. Uh, there's a lot in there that even current Star Wars authors have like referenced to in their books, just because it's that good. Um, I know that's what Mike Shen was doing with uh, Brotherhood. I think we, we, we talked about and reviewed Brotherhood recently, and there was a few things in there that he kind of called back to in Revenge of the Sith. Um, but yeah, there, there we go. That's a uh, UTM book madness and uh, congrats, I guess, to Charles soul light of the Jedi uh, as uh, coming out on top as the, the most voted for Star Wars book. So
1: I am curious though, like where do people vote? Is it on the Uteni website?
2: It was on uh, the Uteni social platform. So if you follow Uteni on Twitter or Instagram, uh, they daily put out like polls uh, where you could just vote for your favorite. Uh, so that's that's basically what people were doing uh, for for a good long while there. Um, I think their, their Instagram polls were in their stories and then their Twitter polls were just in the form of a tweet. So, you know,
0: did they say how many people voted?
2: uh, When you, when you click on the Twitter poll, I think it does tell you how many votes there are. Uh, But in the Instagram one, I can't remember.
1: Does it say how many voting accounts had like uh, accounts with only child privileges that were locked, locked up, limited? (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah, and I have no idea. <laughs> um, uh, but it, it's uh, they combined the results, so they they tallied up all of the the votes and uh, kind of pit them against each other um, with you know Instagram plus Twitter results, you know, and and came out with that final final number, um, which comes down to the points system that they have. So I guess every vote was a point. Uh, So when you see something that has, like, 512 points or whatever, it's probably that many votes across two platforms of polls. What if
1: it was, like, one, like, clever middle school student who was able to just make a bunch of bot accounts?
2: Well, that would be quite something and a lot of effort for something that's very not important.
1: (laughs) If that that was you and you're listening to this podcast please contact cuz we would love to interview interview about how you voted on this. We would
2: also love to talk to you about who's going to win next year.
1: <laughs> yeah. Maybe we could have a a, a
2: raffle of who we want it to be and then set it up. Yeah. Get some bribes going on.
0: You know, Darth Do Plague's. some campaigning. Yeah. Get the get the other books up there.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Darth Plague is by the way, Dan, you got to check out Darth Plague, man. If you haven't read that. Okay. It's yeah. a good one. It's it's, it's an amazing. It's one. really good, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, uh, I guess that's kind of summarizes things up for this week. I mean, we've got another great episode of Mandalorian next Wednesday, or I guess this upcoming Wednesday, uh, which closes up season three. Then we got a book review that we're going to do on the podcast as well for, uh, which book is it called? Fallen Star.
1: It's been so long. I don't even remember.
2: High Republic. High Republic phase one, book three, Fallen Star. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that one. And... Uh, Jedi Survivors around the corner. We're gonna we're gonna do a brief mention for that, of course. At some point, we'll uh, we we'll have to play it. Oh, first. that's like next week, isn't it? Yeah, like it releases weeks. releases in two weeks or something like that. And and um, Dang. yeah, so so soon. And uh, so we'll have to we'll have to play it for a bit. I'm gonna try and binge it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know when we'll do the review for that. Maybe we'll do a, in a, a, a pre- preliminary review right away, and then we'll kind of do like a full story breakdown review, maybe in like a month or two afterwards. You know, just so we all have kind of time to play it and, you know, get the story out of the way. And uh, we were told by Cameron Monaghan, do not spoil the game the ending for anybody because it's apparently just that awesome. Um, so he said that on Celebration Stage, just as a heads up to everybody out there. Uh, no spoilers. So, Dan, it was awesome having you on again. Uh, it was Thanks great for having me. me. Yeah, this was fun. You- It was fun, yeah. It was fun to have you pop on again. And, uh, you know, thanks again for Darian. He probably had to escape for uh, a dinner or something like that. Who knows? Uh, But thanks again to him for popping back on as well. And uh, Blake, of course, as always, thank you again for uh, co-hosting the episode. And um, I guess we'll see you guys in the next one.
1: Yeah, it was a good time. Thanks for having me. And to all our listeners, we'll see you out there. Keep flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: all right thank you to our listeners and uh thank you so much for all those tuning in on our uh, home platform podbean we see the see the follows coming in the subscribers uh so that's great and uh for uh all those guys uh all the all those of you tuning in on uh podcast guru it's a we're we're being featured right now podcast guru because it's star wars celebration which is great you can find us on their homepage, and um thanks again to podcast guru for uh for helping us out like that. Uh, so all those using that app, you can check us out there. And uh, if there's any uh, way you want to follow us on the socials, you can use the handle at Podcast or email Escape Podcast at gmail.com. Join the Discord. That's where the uh, conversation's happening. We'd love to hear from you guys. And I guess we'll see you in the next episode of Star Wars Escape Pod. May the Force be with you.